The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation. Good morning, Brutal Nation. I was I was having a uh, good morning Vietnam moment in my head. And I don't know why, because I didn't even start off. I wanted to say, good morning, Vietnam. Yeah, that's why I did the Brutal Nation. Yeah. Because that, that was a damn good movie. It was I, a good I, movie. I miss him. I do, Robert too. Robert Williams. All right. So, I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, the not quite Asian, Dammy Underwood. I'm not even close to Asian. Say, hello. <laughs> you know what the sad part is? Is I am not Asian at all. My son is. My brother is. But I am not. But I have a lot of people ask me if I am because I have the big cheek, you know, the chubby cheeks. And when I smile, you know. But no. I Asian, am all German Dutch and according to my mom, jerk. Asians all around and not a drop of, uh, not a bit of rice to eat. That's fucking sad, man. You have a big ray of rice. Hurrah. <laughs> I fucking hate you. Okay. What are your story about? <laughs> Stephen Port. <laughs> Anyways, you're so stupid. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Anyway, I was going to pick on someone else. I know. I still feel bad about yesterday's episode about Charlie Chopoff. I can feel bad for the black community and knowing that the cops are just sitting there jerking off. Going, fucking a year later. Hey, all the cases are connected. Well, this one makes me mad, too. Because in today's society, it's actually more common for someone to meet somebody using a dating app or the Internet than any other way anymore. Gone are the days when people meet each other in public and have face-to-face conversations before they choose to be alone together, right? Gone are the safeguards that were naturally in place during those encounters. Because even if you met somebody at a bar, you had the public, you know, you had a group of people that kind of had a safeguard there. Oh, totally. You know, but people today don't even consider the dangers involved when they opt to meet a stranger alone for the first time. That's why I go to family reunions. Let's not talk about how you kissed your cousin, Scott. Do you know why uh, girls in uh, Arkansas don't do the reverse cowgirl position? Tell me why. Because you never turn your back on your own family. (laughs) That was funny. There goes the... uh, the, There goes Arkansas. (laughs) My mom just got back from Arkansas. The three fucking people in Arkansas that listen to us. (laughs) We figured out this interwebs thing. (laughs) Woo! Sis, come here. Give me a kiss. Nance Carr! NASCAR. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's see here. Someone they have probably never spoken to other than in a text message. Unfortunately, in 2014 through 2015, four men fell victim to the deadly intentions one man had when he utilized several dating apps to obtain his hookups. Okay. Due to the climate between law enforcement and the gay community, Stephen Port, aka the Grinder Killer, Jesus almost Christ. got away with murder. There he is. He's, a, he's attacking innocent gay people. Steven, you're a pig. P-I-G. You go ahead, sweetheart. Tell me about this asshole. Jesus fucking Christ. Will you do my hair later? Of course I will, honey. It's going to look fabulous. <laughs> I really need a trim because I got a lot of split ends. It's all Manhattans and martinis for everybody. Apple teenies. Of course. And chocolate teenies. Super duper pooper trooper. <laughs> Anyways, Stephen Port was born in South End on Sea. That was the name of the town what the in fuck? the United Kingdom. Can you repeat that again? South End on Sea. 
That really does sound like a gay porn. <laughs> it was a town like, in Great Britain. For real, that in the sounds UK. like a fucking gay porn. And he was actually born on February 22nd, 1975. My mom's birthday the year I was born. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. You want to hear something funny? Is my birthday is January 23rd. One, right. two, three. Very easy to remember. My mom's birthday is February 22nd, 222. However, my father, up until the day, until the year he died, would call me on January 22nd to wish me a happy birthday. And I go, Dad, my birthday is not until tomorrow. No, it's on the 22nd. I was there. I said, well, that's funny. My birth certificate says the 23rd. I said, Mom's birthday is on the 22nd. He goes, maybe that's it. I'm like, okay, so after all these years, you still, like, have my mom's birthday in your mind. I think that he really still loved my mom. I love your mom. (sighs) And I'm alive, so I should be able to date her. Just saying. You are bare, You are younger than my sister. And? She would never date you. I bet you she would. Believe would me. you date somebody younger than your daughter? Yes. Younger than your son? Oh, wait, no, because you're only 18. Never mind. Say, that's, <laughs> that's called a crime. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that I don't want to go to the butt rate motel. <laughs> for, you don't want somebody for, to steal from your prison pocket? <laughs> exactly, for any length Pick of time. Pickpocket you. Like, I'm at that age now. While I can't defend myself, if somebody said, you have to spend the night in jail with other people, I'd be like, just shoot me. Just seriously. You're not too pretty, though. I am way too pretty. I'll tell you what I get away with. <laughs> seriously. Uh, last time I got arrested, which has been years, um, I get away with the fact of that I am big and mean looking mm-hmm. so i can play a, I, I can put up a good show like seriously really you want some of me bro come on let's do it no you're a brave guy come on i'll whoop your ass in the back of my head i'm like please don't fucking hit me <laughs> uh, scott scott okay no shut the fuck up right now because if he does take you up on this that's a big motherfucker right there and even if you live that shit's gonna hurt for weeks and weeks okay like you're gonna be in a bad shape so just shut the fuck up right now. And that's what I do. I just shut up. I just look. And they're, you know what? You're a crazy motherfucker. You fucking psycho. And then that's right. I'd walk away too, man. Then all of a sudden, as soon as they get around the car, I'm like, that was a close one. That guy, that guy scared me. He was like five foot two and, and really small. And I'm pretty sure he could have like taken me out at the knees. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. So um, his parents were Joan and Albert Port, and he had one sister named Susan. Now, when Stephen was one year old, one year old his family reco- relocated to Dagenham, D-A-G-E-N-H-A-M, in East London. In fact, his parents still reside in that area. Oh. Uh, while he was growing up, Stephen was seen as a loner, and he was frequently bullied in school. His loner with a boner. His former teachers recall him being a rather quiet child. He graduated from high school when he was 16 years old. After that, he went on to pursue a degree in art. However, his education proved to be a significant expense for his parents, so he chose to drop out after only two years. And that's when he started training to become a chef. A chef. I was going to say, there's no tea in chef. Yeah, well, whatever. Even making an appearance on an early episode of MasterChef. You know, oh, with Gordon Ramsay? Sweet, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is this shit? Oh, anyways. <laughs> When Stephen was in his mid-20s, he came out as a gay man to his friends and family. Because he's super dude. Yeah, and he would continue to live with his parents until his early 30s when he moved to Barking, London, to live in his own flat. And upon- For doggy style. <laughs> that's, not, that's, not, that's not lost on me with the barking. 
Upon moving to Barking, he, he got a job working as a chef at Stagecoach Bus Depot. Now, the area of Barking, London, isn't typically associated with the young gay community, as the majority of residents are the older retired crowd. That'd be probably like Florida. Oh, my God. That's where I got to go then. <laughs> that being said, that's my dating pool it right does there, have its fair share of crime, which is why I am shocked you don't live in Florida. Uh, no, because, like, seriously, like, I can't live in Arkansas because of the inbreeding, and I don't believe in having, you know, relations with my own kin. And then fucking Florida is even worse because Jacksonville, that's all I got to say. It's Jacksonville. <laughs> Your it's, dog is a dumbass. <laughs> She's, but yeah, she's gonna stop as soon as Jake reaches the door. She's gonna be like, "Okay, I I came out here and told you." <laughs> yeah, no, either that or Arizona, because that's another retirement state. No, it's way too hot, man. It's a dry heat. Okay, go crawl into my stove for a little while, my oven. <laughs> that is what a comedian says. He goes, yeah, "Would you ever stick your head in the oven and say that's a dry heat?" <laughs> yeah, why don't you crawl in there? I'll, I'll pump it up to about a hundred and fifty. Hundred and fifty. Hundred and fifty. And uh, you tell me how you feel. A buck and a half. Yep. <laughs> okay, so Stephen's neighbors in Barking described him as having a peculiar yet childlike personality. Yeah, exhibiting odd behavior as a grown man, such as playing with children's toys. However, I don't see how that is a real issue because my brother still to this day puts together those model um, role-playing things yeah, yeah. and paints them and everything, has them all over the place. I play with kids' toys and I collect Pez. You know what? Hey. People over there embarking, back the fuck off but my see, boy Steven. But see, that kind of reminds, even though this is 2014, kind of like back when, you know, we did Kearney and them, how they made sure to mention that they were gay over and over and over again. I brought that up many times. Yeah. If there's any sexual. Yeah. Swallow your sandwich, Scott. Swallow <laughs> the meat. Oh, I will. Since we're talking about gay guys, I'm going to swallow that meat. So as Steven got older, his preference in men remained the same. Um, he actually gravitated towards the twinks, which is, for those who don't know, I know Scott does because he likes them too, is a gay slang for a young man in his late teens to early 20s. And the typical traits associated with a twink include general physical attractiveness, slim to average build with a youthful appearance that belie an older age. You know, unlike First the off. otter, which is those who are buff and, you know. And First then the off, burly, hairy bears. I like bears. I know okay, they gotta be hairy. Hairy. You don't like a twink? No, it's disgusting. But you like underage girls. That's different. <laughs> I only say that because the comments he makes to me <laughs> about the, about, about the yes. people next door. When I was <laughs> trying to be fucking serious, and you had to be all disgusting. <laughs> You're assuming the oldest daughter. No, yeah, <laughs> no, meant the youngest. Okay, so despite the fact Stephen wasn't getting any younger, like Benjamin Buttons, he was still very much attracted to men who were considered twinks. As a result, he himself had to maintain a youthful appearance. That means he frequently went to the gym to hold on to his athletic appearance. Even so, he couldn't change the fact that he had already begun to lose his hair as a result of premature male pattern baldness. In an effort to appear younger in person, as well as on his many internet dating profiles, he chose to wear a blonde toupee. Yet, Steve, he, I go, yes, Stephen used the services of many gay dating apps. He was active on the well-known site Grindr, but he was all, which is gay version of Tinder. I kind of fear, but you know, and he's in England, the home of Shakespeare, so to pay or not to pay. 
that this is a question. Anyways, but he also <laughs> used the following ones. He used Sleepy Boys, Hornet, Fit Lads, Badu, Gaydar, Daddy Hunt, Planet Romeo, Manhunt, and Slave Boys. Slow down. I'm taking notes here. <laughs> God damn it. I have it all written down. You can go back in. I got to read that shit, man. Yeah. Anyways, in fact, Stephen... Hold on. Was he on any for grannies? Because that would be pretty He was a gay man. God damn, Stephen. Throw throw a bear a bone. I wonder if there is a... Oh, besides... um, Granny Hunter? No, there's that one... um, I can't think of the name of it. There is one specifically geared to the older generation. Sweet. I can't think of the name of it right now, but I'll. I need some. I need some wrinkles in my. And like farmersonly.com, you know, for the sheep lovers out there. That's awesome. Um, in fact, Stephen was using Sleepy Boys to find a date when he encountered his first victim, a guy by the name of Anthony Walgate. He was a 23-year-old aspiring fashion designer who occasionally sidelined as a male escort. Stephen and Anthony hooked up on June 19, 2014. At some point during the night, Stephen injected Anthony with a fatal dose of GHB, which is a common date rape drug. It's a growth hormone. Okay. He then raped Anthony before dragging him outside to a spot right outside of his flat. So he gave him an injection. They gave him an injection. Gotcha. Stephen himself placed a call to the emergency, which is 999 over there. Dispatched to report that he had found an unconscious man propped up on the wall of his of the flats, and before the operator could figure out who had placed the call, he hung up. When the police arrived, they found Anthony sitting against the wall between the flats. His clothes were rumpled, his underwear was on inside out and backwards. Upon searching his person, the authorities found that he had some GHB in his position. However, they couldn't find a cell phone anywhere nearby. And his butthole looked really raw. I didn't ask. And they didn't tell. They should. Don't it's important. Him. Don't tell. The authorities also realized that Anthony wasn't only unconscious, he was very much dead. They made the choice to treat his death as unusual, but not suspicious. For that reason, the autopsy was not performed. This seemed like an odd decision considering they had found multiple bruises all over his body. And the number, the number and placement of the bruises on his body was a typical indicator that he had been moved moved either right before or shortly after he had died. Um, one officer on the scene deduced that there was nothing to indicate the victim had been assaulted despite the bruising. Even though, quote, sex swabs were taken from Anthony's body, they were never submitted for further DNA testing. It However, was already loosened up. Huh? It was already loosened up. Yeah. However, that wasn't the only crucial oversight by the authorities. The most crucial oversight of all may have been the police's failure to submit a laptop they had seized belonging to Stephen for further forensic testing right away. In fact, it wouldn't be analyzed until 10 months later. Perhaps if it was done immediately, they would have discovered Stephen's penchant for drug rape porn. That's a new one, Scott. Has it done what? Drug rape porn. Oh my God, yeah. That's my kind of porn. Oh, well, I haven't received any of those yet. Thank God. Yet. You just wait until I uh, come and visit your mom, though. I got some special points I'm going to be sending you. The authorities probably would have also discovered the 83 home videos Stephen had stored on a laptop depicting acts committed with previous victims who had been lucky enough to survive. Even though they managed to survive, they were in too much, they were in too much of a GHB induced stupor to remember the details of their assaults. Who are you texting? None of your fucking business. You always text when I'm presenting. I'm just reading. I'm not texting. 
Oh yeah, feel dumb now, huh? Now continue no, I don't on. Feel dumb because you're like don't make me give me you a still. date rape drug. You're still ignoring me. That's no, when not. the authorities discovered that Stephen had been lying to them from the onset, and they arrested him for perversion of justice. <laughs> which, you know what that means. <laughs> are you done? Are you gonna Are you gonna be okay? No. <laughs> perverted cops <laughs> even when they arrested him they failed to follow up on information he had given them during his initial interviews information about how he had previously been involved with police on suspicion of sexual assault <laughs> so it's like he's telling them and they're ignoring it oh my god carol cole yeah but in england and just raping well and raping recently, and killing. okay there you go yeah anthony's family asked the authorities about the autopsy results at which time they were informed that it would be too expensive for them to investigate the incident further and then they listed his death as an overdose and closed the case. Yeah, because nobody cares about the fags. Like, seriously. Yeah. They yeah. throw away people just like the, the hookers. Exactly. And and one, and... It gets even worse. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Um, one of Anthony's friends had received a text from him before he went over to meet Stephen, actually. The text informed the friend of where Anthony would be in the event he wound up dead. You know, a safeguard measure. Dude, that's exactly how Kearney got busted. Yeah. Because, uh, um, he, oh, yeah, fuck. LeVay. LeMay. LeMay, yeah. Yeah, Brian LeMay told his neighbor, Where hey, he was going. I'm going over here, you know, and dot, 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 and these are the people I'm going to go see. So that's exactly, and yeah, <laughs> bang up job police there in England, yeah. bang up job. Exactly. You guys are apparently right on top of that yeah. shit. Good job. So even though the family and the friend took this information to the authorities, the police effectively blew them off. Uh, Stephen's second victim was a grinder hookup, 22-year-old Gabriel Kovari. Gabriel was a talented linguist who was learning Arabic after he had graduated from university in Slovakia. He was a cunning linguist. No, because he was gay. <laughs> and he emigrated to London. <laughs> Disgusting. I can't even go on. He was, he was working in a local shop while he was waiting for a security clearance to come through to work as a translator for the NHS branch of the government. Uh, when Gabriel relocated to London, he spent the first six weeks living with a guy by the name of John Pape. However, when he met Stephen on Grinder, he abruptly moved out of John's place to live with Stephen in his flat. Like, immediately. It's like, You're a super duper guy. I'm it's like right one over. of your exes, I'm sure. Uh, continue with your shit. <laughs> you shit. hate it when I point shit out, huh? Don't like you right now. Anyway, six short days after moving in with Stephen, Gabriel met the same fate as Anthony. Um, on August 28, 2014, Gabriel's body was discovered by a woman who was walking her dog in the churchyard of St. Margaret's Church, located on the grounds of Barking Abbey. Woof. He was propped against a wall, disheveled with a bottle of GHB in his hand, and his cell phone was missing. Similar to Anthony's case, Gabriel's blood showed fatal levels of GHB and signs he had been raped. While the authorities were investigating Gabriel's death, Stephen created another fictional profile on a dating app he eventually found and befriended gabriel's former partner in spain and um Stephen pressed the partner for any details the man might be able to provide about gabriel's death and he also took the opportunity to spread some rumors about how gabriel about gabriel in an effort to discredit his victim Stephen told the former partner that Gabriel was into chemsex parties and many other disparaging things that would paint the man in a bad light with others. Now, I wasn't aware of what chemsex was, okay? So I looked it up. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that because yeah. I'm not quite familiar Chemsex with that. is essentially a gay society hidden subculture with a darker undertone. 
at a chemsex party, people, or more specifically gay men, ingest drugs known to enhance the sexual experience by removing their inhibitions. The drugs used during a chemsex party are crystal meth, GHB, and methadrone, which is also another amphetamine. These drugs are usually consumed in either powder or liquid form. However, they can also be injected, at which time it's referred to as slam sex. These common chemsex drugs allow for someone to lose most, if not all, of their inhibitions. However, GHB is also a mild anesthesia, so it's consumed in an effort to encourage sex acts that are potentially more painful or harmful in nature. And individuals who attend chemsex parties have been known to spend two to three days straight engaging in sexual activities with multiple partners and foregoing any form of sleep or nourishment. It's kind of like my Thursdays. Okay. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> That's fucked up. God That's damn. why you're always out of town on those nights. And why I have a hard time sitting when we get back in the studio. You're sitting now. Barely. You got a donut over there? A large one. Butt donut. I had one of those in high school because I jammed my tailbone. Uh-huh. That's the reason. I did. <laughs> I fell off a car, a moving car. Jesus Christ. Yeah. You're so retarded. You know what? Shut up. Steven's third victim was 21-year-old Daniel Withworth, a chef from Gravesend, Kent, England. Daniel's body was found on September 20th, 2014. In the same location where Gabriel's body was discovered. And Stephen had injected Daniel with a fatal dose of GHB before he raped the man. And on this sad twist of fate, the same dog walker who stumbled upon Gabriel's body found Daniel's body as well. Okay, dog walker from England. Hey, sweetheart, listen up. Walk your dog somewhere else. (laughs) You might want to figure a different path to walk your dog. This might be a little less convenient, but I think that you'll find way fewer bodies. Yeah, well, check this out. When she stumbled across Daniel's body, it was wrapped in a sheet. Okay? No sheet. No sheet. However, when the authorities arrived on the scene, they also discovered that there was a fake suicide note attached to Daniel's body. And the note stated that Daniel was the one responsible for killing Gabriel. And it asked the authorities not to blame the guy he was with the previous evening for his death. You sheet me not. No. My question is, if he committed suicide, how could he wrap himself in a sheet? <laughs> well, you know, the same way that Carol Cole's wife wrapped yeah, herself up in a blanket. Di- yeah, and hit herself in the closet and hit herself in the closet yeah. while Carol Cole's sitting there going, no, I'm the killer. Sir, step aside. Natural We're trying- causes. It's natural causes. Uh, we know that she must be grieving right now. No, I killed the bitch. Yeah, okay. That, look, it's you just need to get out of our way so we can get this, this natural causes death. Out of the way. Yeah, the suicide. <laughs> to suicide. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah, they also found he was in possession of GHB and his cell phone was nowhere to be found. Despite the fact that there were lethal levels of GHB in Daniel's system, the authorities once again ignored inquiries made by the victim's family members. They chose to rule the death as unusual but not suspicious in any way. They also chose not to pursue further forensic testing on the sheet the body was wrapped in or the note they discovered on his person. Once again, bang-up job there. Bang-up job. They didn't even issue a warning to the gay community to let them know that a potential killer was targeting gay men in the area. Now, that just, ah, crap. If you bite the pillow, you might end up still a... You are no longer allowed to to issue warnings to the public. That's all I'm saying. 
Um, on March 23rd, 2015, Stephen appeared in court to plead guilty to the perversion of justice charge um, and received an eight-month sentence. He only served three of the eight months before he was released and placed on house arrest. Okay? Apparently, hang on, I got something in my eye. It uh, looks like your finger. No, it was there before, and I'm trying to get it. Stop being mean to me. I'm not. It's just like your finger. Now you, know, you got a sleeve in there. You okay now? Yeah, I think so. Okay, congrats. Maybe. Apparently, when the pathologists gave their testimony during the trial, he noted that there was evidence that someone had manually handled the body prior to death. That's the first victim. At that point, the coroner in the case questioned the authorities about why the sheet had never been tested on the last victim. And the coroner also wanted to know why a handwriting expert had never been consulted regarding the alleged suicide note found on Daniel's body. Well, that kind of makes sense. They should have been asking that shit when it first came up. You know what I mean? Like when they first got the evidence. Yeah, like, okay, I committed suicide, but I wrapped myself in a sheet first. (laughs) But of course, isn't that how everybody does it? I guess. I rule that as natural causes. Yeah. After being released on house arrest, Stephen encountered his fourth and final victim, a 25-year-old forklift driver by the name of Jack Taylor. Unfork believable. That's forked up. No man. sheet. No sheet that is. That's forked up. <laughs> I have a forklift license, but that's beside the point. Now, Jack's body was found on the other side of the churchyard, but it was dumped in the same fashion as the other three victims. As it was, despite the similarities between Jack's death and the deaths of the other three victims, it would not be linked to the others until a chance discovery was made nearly a month later. As a matter of fact, none of them were linked together. When the authorities discovered... Wait a minute. Is this the police department from Harlem in the 70s? I don't know. You know what that is? That's same, same. <laughs> that is same, same. No sheet. No sheet. I sheet you not. And I'll tell you what, both police departments are forked up. <laughs> anyway, get on with your forking story. You're so stupid. I can't even go on. Uh, when the authorities discovered that Jack had a significant amount of narcotics in his system, his family became especially suspicious of the circumstances surrounding his death. Jack was adamantly against any kind of drug use because he was afraid of losing his job. Not only that, he was also considering becoming a police officer himself. So whenever one of the victim's family members expressed their concerns to the authorities, their words fell on deaf ears. The police said there was no reason to think all four murders were connected at all. Yeah. So law enforcement officials held on to the belief that all of the murders were one-offs until one particular detective working on the case made a chance discovery. He found a printout of his his name, Sherlock Holmes. It doesn't say he found a printout of a CCTV still of Jack Taylor with a quote mystery man on the night he was last seen alive. The detective recognized the man in question as Stephen Port and made the link with Anthony's death, Anthony Walgate's death and Jack Taylor, the first and last. My God, one smart detective in that whole barking area, but only with those two. After that, though, another officer linked the deaths of Jack and Anthony with the deaths of Gabriel and Daniel, thus opening the investigations to combine them all. You know, just when I start saying things like in today's society, 
cops are more on top of it because we've got all this extra science stuff going on and technology. And then you tell me this, like, hey, yesterday, two cops finally figured out that these crimes were all linked together from like from like a, a year ago. Because yeah. they, they were all dumped in the same place with the same M.O., all wrapped up in sheets, and all with a big blazing sign that says, my killer is like Stephen Port. They yeah. just figured out they were all linked. That's just amazing. Yeah, a. totally. Jesus Christ. You did better in the 70s, you fucktards. <laughs> yeah, and this is 2015. Jesus so, Christ, man. In 2015, Stephen was formally charged with four counts of murder and four counts of administrating, administering a poison. Then, in June 2016, the prosecutors added six more counts of administering a poison, seven counts of rape, four counts of sexual assault, and four counts of manslaughter. And a partridge (laughs) in a pear tree. During the trial, Stephen denied responsibility for any of the charges. He was also frequently seen smiling during the proceedings, despite the highly emotional testimonies. I have a straight hair. Being given by family and surviving victims. On November 25th, 2016, at the Old Bailey, Stephen was found guilty and Judge Openshaw sentenced him to serve life in prison without the possibility of parole. He is currently being housed at HMP Belmarsh, and he is one of 60 prisoners housed there serving life sentences. And after the judge sentenced him, a family member of one of his victims was heard yelling, I hope you die a slow death, you piece, you piece of shit, which I'm pretty sure they said, you piece of shite. Shite, probably, yeah. <laughs> probably way, way more fucking accurate. Okay, so. Hang on. What the fuck did that come from? I don't know. Do tell. Oh, I forgot to erase something. <laughs> the Stephen Port case did shed light on the gross negligence of police in the United Kingdom. I hope so. When it came to handling crimes and deaths of gay men, a group of London members of Parliament have called for a public inquiry into claims of institutional homophobia in the Metro Police Department after that. That's right. Um, And you should. Yeah. Fuck, It has also helped to shed some light on the many dangers of meeting strangers on dating apps. However, it hasn't seemed to slow down the traffic on those sites in the least, even here in the U.S. Remember, boys and girls, stranger danger. No shit, yo. And I make a joke, but seriously, man, you don't know who's on the other side yeah. of that fucking app that you're using or or anything. Hell, you barely know who's uh, who, who you're meeting up with when one of your psycho friends hooks you up on a blind date. And, and they Tell me out, about it. They turn out to be a fucking mongoloid. With goddamn horns and fucking... Uh, Good thing uh, when you set me up on a blind date, it wasn't that bad. If you if you play your cards right, you'll get laid tonight. And you're like, fucking, if I play my cards right, I'll get hit by a bus. If I play my cards right, I might get out of this alive. And you're looking at her going, I don't know, I'm not, I can't even confirm that's a human being right there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I don't want to see what she's got going on down below, because it might have teeth and it'll probably fucking injure me. Yeah. I need a taser. But yeah, it, but it's something, I mean, because I download, I actually have an app. That's called Moonlight or something like that. But it's an app that you can actually go into and hold your finger on it. And as soon as you let go, it gives out a GPS signal and notifies authorities. Oh. Yeah. And it will also send texts to anybody you have on your emergency contact list on there. You should have actually gotten a text saying that I put you on as an emergency contact for that. If I did, I honestly don't remember. I know. You probably don't. But but yeah. I don't remember anything anymore. (laughs) 
but it's, I mean, it's important nowadays. I mean, even though I don't really go out with people I don't know anymore, I think you were the last one I met. No, so you weren't, he, but. <laughs> here's my advice for anybody out there in the dating world, male or female, because there's some psycho-ass fucking women oh, there out are. there, too. Seriously, tell a friend where you're going, give your exact details, and send fucking text messages, man. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and be honest. Say, hey, look, I don't know who the fuck you are. I'm going to send check-up messages to my emergency contacts so they know that you are not here fucking killing me. Yeah. Raping me. Stealing my money. That your boyfriend's not coming out of the bathroom to beat my brains in. Right. Anything like that. But be safe, man. Yeah. Fucking be safe. No, because, I mean, I download, actually downloaded that app quite a while ago because it's like, there's many times when I'm driving from here home in the middle, I mean, at night in the dark, it's like anything could happen, you know? True. You can get darted again and Smithsonian will take you away. Scary. Scary. I wish I had some fucking pepper spray on me right now. I would so mace you. Why? I'm... <laughs> I need a taser. <laughs> I'm not one to say this, but I hope you choke. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't take my allergy pills last night, so I'm all fuckered up today. Yeah. But no, we just... I need to get closer. We need to be... We do need to be more aware as a community. And this one kind of made me mad because of the homophobia in this day and age. Right. You know? It's just... It's insane. <clears throat> but that's all I have. Well, good. I'm over here dying because... I'm at the tail end of the accumulated allergy pills that I've taken. Um, I didn't take them last night. And only the only last did you take one. any this morning? I mean, have you taken any yet no, right now? This is all my nighttime stuff I have out right now. Oh. Oh, welcome to allergies. It's great. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. Check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Check out the Patreon page. Help a brother out. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, just type in at Brutal Nation. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Hi, everybody.